since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. <laughs> How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there 
if you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month. And you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club. You get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Nikki, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so normally I I ask a hard question. It seems like an easy question, but it's a hard question. It's before we talk about your sobriety, let's go back and talk about alcohol. And that could be hard, right? Because it's like, oh God, my alcohol story. What is that? So where does your alcohol story begin? The very first time I drank, I was about 11 or 12. And I drank an entire bottle, a small bottle of whiskey. Oh, wow. um, so yeah. the very first time I ever drank, I blacked out. So if that wasn't a foreshadow into what my future of drinking was going to be, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. Were you alone or were you with friends or family or where was it? I was at one of my friend's house and somebody brought this small bottle of whiskey. And again, it was so long ago. I don't know what possessed me to just drink it, but yeah. no one else had any. I just thought, oh, I'm going to see what happens. And (laughs) I don't remember what happened. So (laughs) I did end up waking up in the hospital on my very first time drinking. I was a very small 11-year-old. I think I probably made it through about a quarter of the bottle before I blacked out. And the next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital. So because my friend's parent came home and brought me home, probably panicking, like, oh, there's this drunk girl in my house. I've got to get her away you know, mm. so she brought me home. And then when my parents came home, I was passed out in the bathroom and I had hit my head on the towel rack and they took me to the hospital. Oh, man. They didn't have to do anything but give me IV, but that's where I came to. And that's when I start remembering again. So, oh, man, how scary. Yeah. Did anyone talk to you like after that, like when you're 11, you wake up in the hospital and then you come home, like what was the conversation about it? Or was there really not one? I know that my parents did say like, oh, you, you know, you shouldn't drink like that. There was definitely a conversation about it. But because I was always such a quiet, you know, I was well behaved. There was never any discipline actions with me. I think Mm -hmm. it was more of a, wow, I can't believe Nikki did that. Like, they didn't expect it. I don't remember there being a huge disciplinary action or anything, like some concern, but yeah. Yeah. But at least talking about like, okay, so here's what happened, right? And I know like when I grew up, we just didn't talk about alcohol much. Like I didn't know the dangers of it and stuff. So that's a pretty, I guess, dramatic way to start drinking. (laughs) right? Is just to really have those consequences. Like right away, right off the bat, you see like, oh, holy shit. But then I could also see it going the other way where it's like, okay, but just don't drink that much. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And I never really thought very much about that until I quit drinking. Mm. Because once I quit drinking, and once I was kind of free from it, I started looking back on 
all these situations I put myself in and all these things. And that was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that when I was 11 years old. And, you know, it was not a good start (laughs) to my drinking. And it, it didn't get any better. You know, I, I always had a hard time with having just one. I never saw the point to having just one. I thought, oh, if I'm going to have a drink, I'm going to get drunk. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't have fun because I did, you know, mm-hmm. growing up from in my 20s and, and everything. I had fun and I did, but it wasn't until I had kids when I, yeah. I had my first child when I was 30 when, you know, the hangover started getting worse, the anxiety started getting worse, the sleep, everything just... I guess all just thinking about my kids and how, mm-hmm. I'm, okay, I'm hungover. It's Sunday, I'm hungover. And I didn't feel like I could be the mom I wanted to be. It started taking up way too much headspace. Mm. I was thinking about it too much. I, I found that I was on my way home from work trying to decide if I had enough beer in the fridge or, you know, if one bottle of wine was enough, if I needed to get another one. And I didn't like the amount of mental energy it was taking. And I think it was about a year of kind of thinking about it without saying it out loud to anybody like, okay, there's, I have, there's a problem here. I don't, I didn't know what the problem was. I just knew there was a problem. (laughs) Yeah. So you knew you didn't want to think about alcohol as much as you were or drink it. And you didn't tell anybody that you were thinking these things, right? You said that you knew there was a problem, but you didn't like talk about it, right? Yeah. I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart. Um, And we were drinking buddies for a very long time. We had a lot of fun together. We did. We had a lot of drinking fights as well. You know, it wasn't always good, but we did have a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know I could quit drinking. I've heard you say that quite a few times on the podcast. I didn't know that was an option. I do remember the specific moment when I came to that realization. I was just standing there and I'm thinking like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want the anxiety. I don't want the panic attacks. I don't want the waking up at three in the morning spiraling out of control because I had two beers. I don't want this anymore. And then it was like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't have to do this. I don't have to drink. I did continue to drink probably for another six months, but that was the moment I remember specifically when I was like, oh, this is my choice that I'm making every day. No one ever told me I could just not drink. Yes. I didn't have any sobriety knowledge. I didn't listen to podcasts or read books or anything. It was just, it just washed over me, this feeling of I'm making decisions and I'm living the consequences of these decisions I'm making. And the thing that made me stop was the anxiety. So I did think about it. Yeah, I think it's so... Okay, I have so many thoughts in my head because this is such an important conversation. You realize, oh, holy shit, right? I don't have to do this, and yet you still drink for six months. I think that's really, really important to hear that it's okay that when you start to examine your relationship with alcohol, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden tomorrow you wake up and then you stop drinking, right? It's that sober curiosity point and that moderation part which is always why like we accept all of those women in our group. It's such a rich time that you're collecting evidence and you're really noticing maybe things that you didn't notice before. And you're just kind of waking up slowly 
to the reality of alcohol and realizing what it is rather than what you want it to be in like slowly starting to tell the truth about your relationship with it. And so I think that's a really good point that you made that you were able to see. Like I started examining my relationship and kind of realizing these things before I stopped drinking. And even if you're not telling anybody, right? Like a lot of times our partners don't know everything that's inside and that we're questioning and that we're thinking and that we feel like we're on our own, that we're the only one doing it. But if no one's talking about it, we don't know who else is doing it. Who else is just inside internalizing being like, oh, holy shit, maybe I don't need to be doing this or maybe... I'm outgrowing alcohol or whatever the story is, right? So I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's that's exactly why I wanted to start this podcast is to say like, no, now let's just talk about it. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop drinking tomorrow if you're still drinking and if you're having these feelings. It means like that's where it starts. That's where you will look back one day and say, I remember where this started. Yeah. It is incredible to think back to that moment because it – it comes back to me quite often when I think about if sometimes I'll be, you know, like my husband still drinks and my friends still drink and I'll kind of say, I'm, I'm like being a little too dramatic here. Like, do I really have to quit forever? Is this something that really affected me this much? And it goes back to that moment I was standing in my kitchen and that washed over me and said, no, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And I never wake up the next day and think, damn, I wish I drank with everybody last night. You know, I never (laughs) wish that I was intoxicated the night before because I wake up with a clear head and I don't have a hangover. And the biggest change was my sleep. It was just immediate when I made the decision. And I, uh, like I said, I thought about it silently for a long time. I did try moderation. I did tell my husband that, that I was trying to slow down. I was trying to watch other people's drinks. I was trying to you know, drink water between, I was trying to eat more. It was just taking up so much mental energy to the point where I wasn't enjoying the party or the event that I was at because I'm constantly trying not to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And then that was another, it was like, well, if I'm constantly trying not to get drunk, then just maybe just, just drink water or just drink (laughs) club soda, you know, and then you won't get drunk. Yeah, that's a surefire way you won't get drunk. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to put this in my body, but not have it affect me the way it's designed to affect right. me. Isn't that so insane? And once why? you step out of it, it's so true. Like once you, and you know, like now, probably now that you're sober and we know these things and we're like in this world of sobriety and sober curious and talking about it, but it is sometimes important to take, yeah, to take ourselves back to that time when we didn't know, like when I didn't realize, we just look at, at least I did. I looked at alcohol as just part of adult life, right? You turn 21 and now you have the privilege of drinking. Go figure it out. And that's a job of an adult is to figure out how to drink, right? Like that's what I thought. And if it doesn't go well, then I'm doing something wrong. I just haven't figured it out yet. I I haven't figured out how to drink in an orderly fashion because that's what an adult is supposed to do. And it's so important, I think, to take ourselves back to that, to be like, oh, right, like that's actually what I thought for many years. I didn't think that I qualified for sobriety. 
And now, yeah, when you when it hits you that like you don't have to be like, quote unquote, that bad or like, is this a drastic choice? Yes. And isn't that amazing? Right. It feels really good. And and after my whole attempt at moderation, and I think it, you know, the, the moment I had where it washed over me was about six months before I quit drinking. And it was just this internal thing I had. And I remember going to a couple of functions with friends and I would say, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight. I wasn't sure why. Something inside of me was like, no, just try not to tonight. I, I honestly didn't know what was going on 100%. And then they would be like, oh, you know, just have a couple, you know, because they didn't know the struggle I was going. I didn't tell them, you know, and I don't have any anger or, or anything towards them. I, Nikki drank. That's what Nikki does. So why is she, what's wrong? Why is she not drinking? Right. Yeah. So then I had, I think about six or seven beers one night. It was just over two years ago was my sober date. I woke up the next morning. It was August 28th, 2021. And I, I had a dry mouth. I had a headache. I had an attitude problem. I felt just tired and my husband and my kids were pissing me off. And it's like, (laughs) why? I, I feel like shit. I feel like garbage because I drank six beers last night. So, and I just, it just came out of my mouth. I said to my husband, I, I'm going to not drink today because we were going to a party that day and I'm going to not drink today. And then he just kind of looked at me and he's like, okay. And I was like, I think I'm going to not drink for a while. Cause then it, it was word vomit now. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say all the things that have been on my mind for the last year. And he's like, okay. And and I said, I don't know if it's going to be a, a week or a month or a year, but I, something needs to change because I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want the anxiety. I don't want the lack of sleep. I, I, something needs to change. And we got in the car and we went to our friend's house and everyone's having beers. And I brought a couple cans of club soda and I just drank club soda. And I still to this day, don't know how because you know there's beer all around me and there's people drinking and and then again that was the decision and I woke up the next morning I was so proud of myself okay I did it one party I didn't drink and I just kept making that decision and I've been you know I've very quickly noticed the sleep the sleep was what got me like oh my goodness I didn't wake up once last night I didn't wake up tossing and turning thinking about just the most random thing <laughs> spiraling out of control for like no reason. <laughs> yeah. And just kept making that decision. So it was difficult in the beginning trying to, it's still difficult. You know, like I said, my friends and my husband, they still drink, but it doesn't take up the mental space in my head anymore. I don't want to drink. I just, I feel really good. I love that you said that it was a decision. And it wasn't easy. And you decided before that first party, you're like, I've decided I'm going to drink club soda at this party. And I think that making that decision, first of all, all of that mental energy then that you have spent on alcohol and that we spend thinking about, are we going to drink water in between? Did we eat enough? How much are they drinking? Am I going to drink? All the space it takes in our brain. Just that act of deciding for that one party or for that one day and for the next day, right? The act of deciding then totally frees up that mental energy. And that doesn't mean it's easy. 
it means you notice things. It's almost like you're watching yourself, right? It's like, I'm noticing that I'm thinking it would be nice to have a beer right now. I'm not going to do it because I've decided. But isn't that interesting? And like, oh, I'm noticing now that everyone's talking a little bit louder. Huh. That's interesting. Oh, I'm noticing (laughs) that now they're completely acting like fools. Huh. That's interesting. And then in the morning, it's like, oh, I'm noticing how proud I am of myself and what that feels like. It's taking that like judgment out of it or something when you decide and then you just are like a, I don't know. That's how I remember that that's for sure how it was for me in the beginning of just like, okay, let's see what I can notice after the decision's been made. Yeah. And it's just been so great to just continue to make that decision like over and over again to the point now where I've been through all my firsts and I've done all my firsts the second time being in my second year and I've done the birthdays and I've done all the holidays to the point where I do I go and sit with people that are drinking and I don't do that non-alcoholic beers anymore I did I yeah really did to the point you know I'd have six non-alcoholic beers just to get me through I just don't feel the need to anymore I don't really like the taste I got past that point where I needed something I just, you know, drink sparkling water in its place. But I think the first year was definitely the hardest. Getting through all those firsts was the hardest. And the very first night my kids were at a babysitter's and it was just my husband and I at home, I think was within the first month of my sobriety that happened. And we would normally have gotten very drunk together when that would happen. And then they would come home the next day and I would be on the couch and be like, oh, God, I have to parent. That was the worst, <laughs> was parenting hungover. Yes. But I just, I remember that first time when the kids were away and, and we ended up playing Battleship. Like my husband had a couple of beers and we played Battleship. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to drink my club soda. I'm holding on. I'm white knuckling it. I'm playing Battleship and I'm not drinking. And <laughs> Yeah. You're like, and I'm going to kick your ass in Battleship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, there's been a lot of growing pains. There's been a lot of challenge to it. Yeah. What do you think has been the the most challenging? And then what kind of do you turn to when you feel that challenge? Well, I think the most challenging thing is being like, I'm the one that made the decision. I'm the one that made the decision to become sober and I'm the one that changed, but everybody around me is still the same. And I still love them all the same. I'm not asking the world to quit drinking. I'm not. I just decided that I it wasn't making me feel good anymore. That's been the most challenging for me was making the decision to make such a huge change. It doesn't seem like a huge change talking about it really, but it is huge. Yeah. And just trying to weather that with with my family and my my husband and my friends. Yeah, that's been a challenge, but I know they all understand. And maybe because I didn't, I didn't talk about it as much when I was still drinking. They didn't understand what internal struggles I was going through. And now that I am sober, like I have had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And I, I didn't come out on social media as sober until my one year. And I, I put a post up on my Facebook and I got a lot of great feedback about it. And I do talk about it. I don't just, you know, shout it as I'm walking down the street or anything. But if somebody asks me, you, you don't hold a sign. Sobriety, I'm more than happy. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sober. I'm sober. Come and ask me about it. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> if somebody wants to talk about it, I have had people reach out and like, private message me after my posts and ask me, you know, how, how did you do that? And, and I honestly, it's such a hard question to answer because I did have just that light bulb moment that day. And, and it's just, you don't have to drink it. It's just a beverage that you don't have to drink. And yeah, I just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. And, and I, I love that I can drive anywhere. I, anytime I can trust myself. If there's an emergency, I can go anytime. That's a big thing. And just being present and oh, just again, the sleep. I love my yes. sleep so much. Oh, same. <laughs> I feel like as moms, right? Like I never really thought about sleep much before. Like before I was a mom, I was just like, yeah, okay, sleep. I took it for granted. But man, sleep in motherhood is like gold, right? You're just like, I just want sleep. Like I just want good restorative sleep. That's it. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And my kids are getting older. They're still little. They're still six and four. But when I quit drinking, they were four and two. So they were still, you know, my two-year-old, she was still waking up. I was not only affecting myself with the alcohol, but my, my children were still coming down to my bed and waking me up. I wasn't getting the rest that I needed. And I feel like, you know, I could have sat there and said, oh, one day they'll sleep more. Just everything will be fine. Just keep drinking. Keep doing what you're doing. But I wanted to feel better. I mean, it sounds amazing. I, I love your story because I love that it's, it is that like, you know, sometimes it feels like we need permission to say, you don't have to do this. You don't have to keep doing this. And you make such a great point when you say like your friends and your family and even your husband might not understand it because they weren't inside your head with the shame and the mental energy. And we're taught not to share that, right? And so if we don't share that, they don't know. And it's okay that they don't know and it's not their fault. It's not your fault. It just makes sense then that when you say, okay, I'm not doing this anymore, that the response might be, isn't that drastic? And it's like, man, if you knew, like if you knew the shame I felt, which maybe they do, right? Maybe they feel it and they just aren't talking about it either, which is likely, right? then you wouldn't think it's drastic. Like, no. Yeah. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. If you were in my head for the last year, then it would make sense to you. But I just, I couldn't do it anymore. It was just too much. I remember one of the last times that I got very, very drunk. And I remember I was standing in the bathroom and my kids were at at my in-laws, I think. And I'm I was taking my makeup off or washing my face because no matter how drunk I was, I always had to wash my face. Good for you. And I was looking in the mirror. <laughs> it was just a weird thing I had. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I don't like how I feel. Like I didn't put much thought into it in my twenties or, you know, my teens. But once I I was in my thirties and I'm a mom and I'm literally falling over my sink to wash my face because I've drank so much and I don't like this I feel like I don't have control over my body I feel like I know that I'm gonna have the shittiest sleep in the world tonight I feel like I know my kids are gonna be home in the morning and I'm gonna be completely useless to the world just I do I remember just looking in the mirror like oh god and I still like that was still early on also like I still drank 
after that. Right. It was just this huge process. It was a huge process that I went through mentally and quietly. Yes. I think that that is probably if there's one thing people get from my end, every single podcast episode I've done, everything is that most of this we keep quiet because we don't feel like we can talk about it. And then when we keep things quiet, it feels shameful. It feels like we're the only one. And then no one does understand, right? And so I'm so glad you shared that, that there, it, it's a process and that it's a process that many women are going through quietly. And stories like yours, I mean, that's what it takes. Yeah. And I didn't even know about any of the sober podcasts or the sober curious movement or anything until I quit drinking. Like this all happened. And then once I decided to quit, I started, oh, I wonder if there's anything out there for me to read about this. (laughs) So I started with the Quit Like a Woman. I started with Quit Like a Woman. And then I found your podcast quite early on. I remember listening to that. I binged it until it was all gone. Just love the real sober mom chats and and hearing like, oh, God, I'm not the only one. Like, really? Yes. Yes. You know, and I'm kind of glad it happened the way it did. I'm glad that I went through my, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't read or listen to sobriety things when they're still drinking. Like, I think that's great, too. I just didn't know about it. I knew about AA and I knew about alcoholics. I obviously knew that existed, but I didn't. Until I quit, I didn't realize that I actually had a problem. I still don't refer to myself as an alcoholic. Uh, I feel like what happened was I had a very soft landing. I knew something was happening. I knew something was coming. And I knew that if I continued the way I was going, that I was going to hit some rocks. You know, I was going to have to go through some more tough times. And I decided I didn't want to get to that point. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just so glad and I'm always so grateful for the women who come on here and share your stories. I know that this is probably the first time that you've been asked to like, okay, sit down and tell me your story from start to finish, right? But it's so valuable. Like it's just so valuable to hear from real women who aren't promoting something, who, who haven't, you know, kind of develop talking points. You don't have anything to promote. And, you know, I love my regular interviews too, but these are just so special to me because it's, you guys are living it and you have lived it and you know it and you're like putting a voice to it. And I'm just so, so grateful and honored when, when you sign up and, and your story is going to help so many women. And, And I just couldn't thank you enough. And I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. I just love to be able to witness these stories and to hear them. And I feel... I feel so honored. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for chatting with me. I live in a small town in Canada. We don't have a lot of sobriety groups uh, other than AA around here. So I have been uh, speaking with my husband and some other people. And my husband is encouraging me to maybe start something in our area just because I know there are sober people around, but we don't wear a t-shirt that tells right. you know, I'm sober or the sign that says I'm sober, ask me about it, you know? So <laughs> yeah. If I could maybe try and start my own little community in my area, because that's what I really needed in the beginning. I really needed, and I did find it online through your podcast and through Facebook and through the books that I read, but I didn't want to go to AA. That wasn't something I wanted to do. So if I could help anybody, it's something that I'm thinking about maybe starting. 
in my area. Do it. So. Do it. I'm telling you, this is why <laughs> this is why sober women are badass because we do create what we needed. Yes, just create all of the sober communities, sober curious, just a place for women to talk about the things that we were taught to keep quiet, I think is is essential and that's amazing. And I say do it. Let me know how I can help you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.